0: Welcome to the digital podcast. I'm Brian Marcy. Uh, this week, uh, joined live from Miami, uh, by Romina Rosado. Um, Romina is the SVP of digital media at Telemundo. Uh, Romina, welcome. Thank you, Brian. How, how is, how is quarantine in Miami?
1: Well, I think quarantine in Miami is probably a little bit nicer than in New York, but it is still quarantine. So we're getting slowly used to walking from home and, uh, doing it in a very nice environment.
0: Okay, so everyone's dealing with this both on a personal level and on a business level and we just have to sort of um, ha, what have been the biggest impacts, you know, for Telemundo's business right um, at this point. Mhm.
1: Well, because there's the production
0: yeah. and then there's the business side. So let's just take you know how you even make content.
1: Mhm. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's also different at the beginning and where we are now, right? So let me maybe start at the beginning. Obviously, we have, sure. um, you know, we produce a uh, a lot of shows. We had shows under production, both scripted and unscripted, right? In many different countries. And when um, COVID-19 really became, you know, a, a giant issue, we had to shut down production. Uh, and as a broadcast network, it means that we have hours of programming that we have to fill, right? Right. Um And suddenly the production of like a hit show, Exatlon, which ran every day from uh, seven to nine, you have two hours on your grid that are suddenly gone. Um, and, you know, the other thing that I think is important to note that makes Telemundo a little bit different is that we have uh, a large community aspect. And what became very clear with COVID-19, especially at the beginning, is that there wasn't a lot of information in Spanish for Latinos in this country who are disproportionately affected by uh, the effects mm-hmm. of COVID, right? So we shifted very quickly to create a lot more live programming and a lot more news programming. So we went to 12 hours live at the very beginning and for the first month and a half. Uh, we extended our morning show to like pretty much four and a half hours, I think. We launched a new show in, um, uh, in the afternoon. We extended our newscast. We launched uh, four new specials that were all about coronavirus, all in Spanish, bringing in experts and doctors and what have you not. And also, we are privileged because Telemundo, being in Miami, we are in a building, Telemundo Center, which was opened uh, two years ago, um, is, you know, it, it's, it's in a particular location where it's safe for people, for essential employees to walk from, right? It's a three story building. It's giant. Um, and they took a ton of precautions to make sure that we could continue to produce some content from there. Right. Um, so that's really what, what we focused on at the beginning.
0: So you never had a fully shut down. I mean, y- 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 the office, I mean, Florida is in a totally different situation than than we we are in New York.
1: Yes, we did. We did not. Because, you know, if you think about it, Brian, in New York, you, if you go into an office, you have to take the subway or you take a bus, right? You take public transport.
0: I was able to take a boat.
1: Oh, there you go. That's even, that's even nicer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's very Miami
0: though. Uh, yeah, that's why I want to move to Miami. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we're going to talk about that later. Okay, so you had to change the program and particularly, I mean, different communities. I mean, your audience, and I think it's, it's becoming very, um, very clear now um that uh coronavirus is is impacting different communities differently. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the truth
1: um, yeah
0: I, explain how that changes the sort of your approach
1: well and again i think it goes in phases right so we the, it's maybe i can bucket it is in information entertainment and then new platforms right information mm-hmm. as i said at the beginning telemundo you know, we, we take, we obviously have a large news division and we take our role of having to, you know, being able to educate and inform the community really seriously. So for us, it was really, let's make sure that we get, you know, really great medical experts who speak Spanish and who can explain this, right? Because especially at the beginning, there was, a, well and now there was a lot of misinformation about what it was, what the quarantine meant, um, and again, unfortunately, the government wasn't really putting out a lot of information in Spanish, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: we, we wanted to make sure that we provided um, people uh, with, you know, as many tools as possible. We also launched a corporate initiative called uh, Nuestros negocios which is basically our businesses, because a lot of Latinos are small business owners, right? And they were incredibly impacted and continue to be um, by, uh, coronavirus. So we partnered with the U S Hispanic chamber of commerce to launch a program to inform them about the small business loans and how they could take them out. Right. And, and some other services that were available. And then Mm -hmm. the second area, because I do think that at some point people need to escape from the assault of horrible news in this global pandemic that none of us have ever lived through, right. Or can imagine. Um, you know, we there's really a few people
0: there's a few people, I mean, still left from the 1980s. Yeah, year.
1: but you know they're, they're up there in age. <laughs> 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 um, it was you know we need to create opportunities for people to be entertained, right and, and um, family co-viewing is important because suddenly everyone is at home, right? And then also making uh, a lot more of our content available on streaming platforms because as you know most, uh, most of us know and we've read it, Streaming at the beginning, especially, went through the roof because suddenly you have so much more time available, right? So we added around sixteen hundred hours of additional programming to our app, to the Telemundo app, uh, for people to consume all of the shows that that um, we've created, uh, some like old hits and then some newer productions, and we've seen that usage like literally doubled, right? Um, and, usage,
0: usage, where on your own app?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Um, so th- what, what are the overall, let's just stick with that. What, what are the sort of overall audience trends that you're seeing happening, you know, both immediately, but then, you know, we're in week 10 at this mm-hmm. point of, of lockdown, depending on when people, um, you know, sort of had to go underground. What are you seeing like both in the beginning, but also is that like tapering off
1: I, well, I think what's definitely tapering off is the in, the insatiable desire for news that we saw at the beginning, right? Yeah. The the first couple of weeks, the first month, really, it was news all the time, and our numbers, both for you know digital consumption as well as linear consumption, just went through the roof for anything that was news, um, and then we've started seeing that uh, taper off, right? And I think what what is what I think will will um, Stay behind is when you look at the Hispanic audience composition, this is something that I talk about all the time because it's one of the reasons, quite frankly, that I moved to Telemundo is that the median age of the U.S. Hispanic in this country is very low. It's 28, right? The median age for the non-Hispanic in this country is 43, so if you think about a 28 year old and what their media consumption patterns are, right? Right now, they are streaming a lot more content, right? They're, cons- they're doing a lot more digital consumption on any platform. And Hispanics actually over index on a lot of um, social and digital platforms, on most of them actually, right? So for us, for Telemundo, even before COVID-19, it was, you know, it was a big part of our mission to make sure that we are available on all the platforms that these uh, that the audience is, because mm-hmm. our audience, quite frankly, is younger, right? And then in terms of what I think will happen, like, post-COVID-19, whenever that may be, um, I do think that, that we're going to see uh, significant changes to, to media consumption. I think it's going to accelerate everything that was there before, for good and yeah. bad, right, unfortunately. Um and you know, and I think new new ways of of doing business and the whole economics of content production are also going to be affected. Because I think we're all realizing that it's okay to do, you know, it's okay to watch interviews being conducted over Zoom and it's okay for guests to Skype in. And you know, and I think people have also gotten really creative with formats.
0: So does that I mean that I'm very interested by that because watching um watching news programs these days. I mean, it sort of looks like watching a Zoom sometimes, like, mm-hmm. um, and it seems like one of the things. Like, I think it seems like we're going to re- rethink the need for a lot of high production. I mean, because the look once you take costs out, like mm-hmm. it's hard to add them back in, right? Yeah, and it's also because the expectations of of people are just you know I don't and maybe that doesn't last. Maybe people. Um, want to go back to um, the high production value. I don't
1: know. I think they're going to be like, you. We, that's also one of the areas that is going to become a lot more polarized, right? Meaning there's still going to be high-end production, the desire to see, you know, incredibly highly produced things. And on the opposite side, there's going to be a lot more tolerance for, um, you know, different types of production styles. I also think it really depends on the genre. If you're watching news, or, um, you know, topical shows, I think you're fine with, um, you know, zooming and Skyping and what have you not and and seeing people's backgrounds in the back. And, um, you know, there's a whole movement around that too, with rate my Skype room, (laughs) and all of that. But then I think bookshelves,
0: everyone's bookshelves are very on display these days. That's
1: why I have my plant here in the background, (laughs) which, uh, of course, uh, listeners cannot see. But um, but I do think that on the on the high end, um, you know, production side, people are still going to want to consume if I'm watching scripted, right? Or if I'm binging on a show, I still want it to look like I want to take yeah. I wanted to take me away into a different world.
0: What, what are you like? What are the plans for production right now? Like, I mean, you're, you're in Miami. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of advantages there. Florida is opening up. Um, you didn't never had to close down. Um, the office uh, fully, at mm-hmm. least. Um, but, I mean, we're getting to the the part, the point where, um, you know, the key fall season is coming up, um, and I think people are going to be running out of programming at some mm-hmm. point.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're, uh, you know, lucky in that regard. So, number one, we can continue to produce all of our news and topical shows from Telemundo Center, right, with extreme precautions. And you, if you see it, like the shows where we have more than one talent, you know we're enforcing social distancing and a lot of other things because at the end of the day that is the most important thing the you know health and safety of our employees um, and then you know some of the productions that we have like we Lawn, which I mentioned before just produced in the Dominican Republic right the teams have been working on how we can resume production and you know it's going to be resume uh, re- it's going to resume fairly quickly um, and then we have a lot of banked programming that will see us through. You know, a significant portion of time. We also have Telemundo has global studios, um, so we produce in a lot of different countries. Um, and again, are looking at creative ways to, um, you know, to, to produce more content. I think where it's going to be, you know, interesting in the fall is when it comes to things like live events, right? Um, and and that's where, like you know, award shows, music events, concerts, sports, right? That's where it's going to be really interesting what that looks like.
0: Right. Um, and, and have you have you done any preparations for that? I mean, at this point, mm-hmm. like live events are out. Maybe in Florida, who knows?
1: <laughs> no, no, I mean, yes, because, you know, we, for example, we broadcast uh, two major music award shows a year, the Latin Billboards and the Latin American Music Awards in the fall, Right. And, you know, we're we're looking at all possible ways of doing it with an audience, without an audience. Obviously, it's going to be most likely without an audience, right? What does it look like? How do you enforce social distancing in a stadium, right? And then, you know... I mean, did you watch any mm of
0: the sort of high or even the games or the highlights of the Bundesliga, like, coming back? I mean, it's going to take some adjusting to get... Yes. I know the the players were doing the same sort of thanking of the fans that weren't there... Uh, yes, it's going to take some adjusting.
1: <laughs> but you know what? But I think people will adjust. If anyone had told me that I'd be like watching, you know, the graduation um, uh, program last Saturday, I mean, before this, I wouldn't have watched it, right? And you, yeah. you just end up, um, you you end up changing your your consumption.
0: So uh, you're part of the sort of NBCU and Comcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- what sort of uh, the consumption patterns on Telemundo, because you've talked about it being a much younger audience, um, mm-hmm. how different are they from the other networks within the umbrella?
1: Well, I mean, there are a lot of networks. <laughs> yeah. It, it depends. Um, but, you know, Telemundo has a, as I said, very young audience just by the nature of what we do in the language that we broadcast in, right? um and our potential audience is very uh very young which is where Peacock comes in right so as you know in the in the midst of all of this NBC Universal launched Peacock which is a streaming platform yeah. which we're extremely excited by and uh Telemundo has a large content library on Peacock i think it's around 3000 hours right because i think um NBC Universal recognize that Hispanics are not, you know, there's 60 million Hispanics in this country. So just quantitatively, it's an important audience. But when you look, when you dig deeper and look at their media consumption behavior and their age, they're a natural um, audience for a service such as Peacock, right? So you see yeah. when you actually go to Peacock, you see Peacock Latino. Um, and that's a whole section with content that is really targeted as you at US Hispanics.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's still too early, I mean, with Peacock to tell like what kind of consumption you're seeing there.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, absolutely. And, uh, but as Linda Iacorino said last week at her upfront presentation, you know, free sounds really good right about now. Um, it
0: does. It does. So I guess there's two, I, I don't know, we, uh, Tim Peterson, who knows like, m- approximately a million times more about streaming than I do. Um, You know, he wrote about uh, Peacock and, um, you know, I think there's two, is this the best time for it to launch or is, does it, or is it that, well, this kind of gives next year is really going to be the test. I mean, this is a go long strategy. So I don't know whether it's the best time or not the best time, um, but I want to talk a little bit about Quibi. Um, Mm -hmm. Quibi... um, you have some programs on Quibi. Um, yeah. Let me ask you this. I mean, we talk about very early. You know, you go on Twitter and people w- want to say Quibi's DOA. Um, you know, I know I went on like you know they've obviously been paying a lot for for downloads, but you know it was it was uh, it was ranking below the Lowe's Home Improvement app for a while. Um, give me the case for Quibi. I mean, Katzenberg's been out there saying, hey. This is all coronavirus's fault. Um, give me the case for Quibi, if you, if or, or I mean, give me the case against it.
1: No, I mean, listen, I'm very bullish on Quibi. Um, I am uh, thrilled, and we are incredibly proud uh, to be on Quibi, we worked with them very closely over the last seven months to do two shows. One is an entertainment news show, and one is a you know hard news show, Bunso. Um We launched on April 6th, and you know, I think. Um, the, the, original premise for Quibi, right. Still holds. Um, and you know, they obviously made the decision to launch it on April 6th. And Jeffrey has spoken about that.
0: Just for those who do not know, the original mm-hmm. premise is that there is a need for short form programming made for mobile phones mm-hmm. and for particularly on the go.
1: Correct. And, and premium content,
0: right? Premium. Yes. Premium.
1: And, you know, we are less on the go right now. That's just a reality than, you know, we normally would be, right? Yeah. So Same I think...
0: Podcasts are down 20%, so I would yeah, guess that this would be...
1: I think there's this... Um, I will also say, I think there's a tremendous amount of schadenfreude here at play, right? I mean, um, yeah. Which seems to be uh, a bit of a, you know, way that, uh, you know, media reacts to media lately. Yeah, we love that um, I, stuff. Yeah, I, I. Still, I mean, the I New York it's... Times
0: story began. I mean, look, you can tell when you choose the lead, and it began with Jeffrey Katzenberg quarantining in his Beverly Hills like palace or whatever. So I think that sort of speaks to it a little bit.
1: And you know, I think it's way too early uh, to to make judgments. I think people are making very quick judgments, and I think we might all be uh, surprised. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't know if that's like a good or bad. I mean, Tim's actually uh, writing about this for, for tomorrow, so I'll be uh, editing it later. Um, but I don't know whether, the, you know, the reset expectations ends up being a good thing in the long term or, or whether, um, you know, this sort of, you know, it just starts to, it starts to build, you know, perception can be reality in, in media. I mean, I go back to when Hulu, I remember when Hulu started before it had the name Hulu and TechCrunch was calling it clown co and all this stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and that, that ended up working quite, quite nicely.
1: Yeah. Or it was something like, which was also quoted in that story, TikTok, right? I mean, sure. they, if you look at the, what was it called musically, I believe,
0: right?
1: Yes. That's a service that has certainly been around for a long time. And I think it's one of the, the services that in quarantine suddenly everyone has discovered. Right. Um, Right. So I think, I think it's, it's way premature and I think Quibi will walk out. And again, as I said, we, we actually, um, we've loved walking with them.
0: Um, Yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see whether they can sort of weather this, this, this period of time without having that strong connection to, I mean, we're all sitting in front of, like, big screen TVs right now. I mm-hmm. mean, th- on the other hand, TikTok is exploding. So I don't know. They sort of can't have it both ways. Like, I mean, I don't know. Why is TikTok exploding if Quibi is, is, is not? Like, I don't understand why coronavirus hasn't killed TikTok. It seems like it's actually accelerated. But
1: it's, it. but it's different because TikTok is user-generated content. It's you doing a crazy dance at home, which is where you're stuck, Right. And yeah. I mean, I I think it's fun, and, and I'm certainly I've certainly become a consumer, right? But I think the the what Quibi is doing and the content they're providing is incredibly different. It's premium, and it it's just a completely different format, right? Mm-hmm. And I think what will also happen, I mean, I'm not sure what it's going to be like in New York or in other parts of the country, but once the the uh, Florida, the area where I live, opens tomorrow, right? Once everything is open again where you will not find me is in my home <laughs> because I'm going to be out and about and, and trying to enjoy as much as possible being, being able to be outside. So, you know, I think that this is why I want to move to Miami. There you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That'll be actually very interesting to see. So you're going to have to report back to me because um, you're, you guys are going to go first because mm-hmm. um, I wonder whether, you know, people are, Um, it's like, I go running all the time and like, it's going to take a long time for me not to like go veering onto like lawns to avoid being within like six feet of people. I just wonder how, how much the opening, it's going to take a while. I think before people's psychology get okay with getting on airplanes and going places. Um,
1: Well, I'm actually getting on an airplane on Thursday. So, oh my
0: God. Yes. Wear gloves, wear a mask. Yes. No, I'll I'll be be a full
1: hazmat suit.
0: (laughs) So let me ask you this, uh, Suguira. So like you've been at Telemundo for for two years now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you came from E. Um, explain what attracted you to going to. Because um, there's always a big misunderstanding of quote unquote Hispanic media. Um, mm-hmm. And w- what did you? What attracted you to Telemundo?
1: Um, that it's a youth story more than anything else right i and i saw the potential and i continue to believe in the potential of this audience i think you're absolutely right us hispanics are very misunderstood and very quite frankly undertold story um and you know and i think the when i joined telemundo in 2018 it was also and continues to be a very uh, particular time because i think a lot of latinos Um, you know, post-2016 and post the election, right, they have re-found their identity, so to speak, right? Um, I also think it's not a monolith. There are a lot of nuances within the U.S. US Hispanic community. Um, And I find it, you know, really interesting to walk at a brand that is trying to, you know, transition to digital as every single media brand uh, in the world is doing, but it's also doing it um,
0: for an audience that is so incredibly young. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about some of the nuances? Cause I mean, there are, mm-hmm. I mean, there's the sort of tradition one with acculturated, um, and, yep. and like how those who aren't as familiar really. And I think that's the, the, the issue I think that, that, um, again, air quotes, Hispanic media has faced is that, you know, the people who are not familiar, familiar with all these nuances treated as a monolith.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, the, the nuances are, you know, uh, country of origin, how long you've been in this country, right? You have tremendous differences between Hispanics in Florida versus U.S. Hispanics in New York versus U.S. Hispanics in the western part of the U.S., right? And, um, you know, you have different in accents, right? Which when you're producing in Spanish language, you actually have to consider. Um, and, you know, I think... Do you think
0: centralize that, on an accent, like... Um...
1: Um no it, it it really depends like one of my favorite stories is that in sports right so obviously Hispanics are major major football fans uh, soccer as you call it here right <laughs> I always hate having to use the word soccer you can use
0: football it's fine it's, it's football
1: fine. so um you know Hispanics are major fans of soccer right but if you are from Colombia you do not want your announcer to have an accent that is from a different country that may be playing your team right now right So there's a lot of nuance in that. Um, And, you know, you also have to be careful that you don't use too much Spanish from Spain accents, right, so that they're recognizable. And obviously, when you look at um, the U.S. Hispanic population, around 60% are from of Mexican origin, right? So so it's, you know, you need to ensure that anything that you do really caters to that audience as well, right? But
0: Telemundo is not for Mexican-Americans,
1: Telemundo is for all Latinos.
0: Right. All Latinos. Um, And for those who are as comfortable in English as they are in Spanish?
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, for those who, like our programming is, when I say, you know, it's for Latinos, it's also for non-Latinos because we have, you know, some of our programming is on Netflix and we're seeing, you know, really high view rates uh, and the shows do really well in you know, a proportion of that audience is not Hispanic at all. It's sure. you know people like you who probably don't speak Spanish.
0: I don't. I did take a few years in in uh, in high school, but <laughs> I have to say it didn't it didn't completely stick. Well, you um, will have to if
1: you move to Miami. By the way,
0: <laughs> I know that's that's one of the reasons I want to move to Miami. I wanna I wanna make Senora Zolch proud and uh, pick back up my Spanish study. But I do think that's an interesting point because um, I don't know if there's any statistics on it, but. Americans have never watched subtitled um, uh, foreign language content as much as, as they have now. Um, you know, the explosion of, of you know, access to a global library of content, mm-hmm. uh, thanks to Netflix, is, has been, you know, tremendous.
1: Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, it's about the story and the content, right? And there are so many examples of, um, you know, shows that resonate with an audience, even though you might not know or speak the language of the country,
0: right? So, final thing is, is um, in the midst of all of this, there's this thing. So, I hope we're having a presidential election in November. Mm-hmm. Um, how does this, how does this change at all, or does it at all, Telemundo's approach to to covering the the election? In-
1: Well, I mean, it will, you know, it will change. It will have to change somewhat, right? Because amongst other things, they're not going to be conventions. Um, There might be. There might be. Yeah, maybe Zoom conventions. Um, But, you know, we again, this is where for us it's slightly different because we have a large community aspect, right? So we have this whole voter registration initiative that is going on that will now probably have to pivot. We had a big census initiative going on. that, you know, we're extending now because obviously the census has been uh, delayed because of the pandemic. Um, And, you know, we, we, our coverage also at the beginning shifted a little bit because we realized that people were not as interested in the election as, you know, they had been. And now we're slowly seeing that that interest is picking up again. Um, So for us as an organization, it's hugely important that we make sure that every Latino in this country is counted, um, through the census and number two, then every, that every Latino who's eligible to vote registers to vote and then goes out and and votes.
0: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what the, the issues, the fault lines that develop, because I think they're going to be totally different now. Whereas, um, you know, before, um, just the reality is, you know, immigration in particular would have been used as a wedge issue. Um, whereas now, I don't think it's it's going to be. Um, there's just, the, you know, the the economy is collapsing, mm-hmm. and, and it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear what the Republican side is going to try to make this about. Like, you know, you're either for opening the economy or or you're against it. Um, but I don't know if you guys have thought ahead about, like, what, what are the sort of key issues that, that you plan on focusing
1: yeah, we, on? Yeah, we've actually done some polling on it um, in, you know, as part of our Decision 2020 campaign about the key issues for Latinos, right? And it, even before the pandemic, it was the economy, right? Yeah. And healthcare also ranks quite up there. And I, yeah. I, I don't think that that's going to change. And I think it's for yeah. right now for Latinos and non-Latinos,
0: and that's why I think it's interesting with the, the – I think the opening versus, you know, slowly how you open the economy debate is going to scramble politics in a lot of different ways. And I think people – too many people assume that it's going to fall on the traditional um, sort of progressive versus conservative fault lines. And I think it's going to be very different because the people who are most impacted by a closed economy in many cases are different, mm-hmm. you know? I – I'm working from home. What's yeah. you know? And oh yeah, yeah. Don't open it. Don't open it. Well, tell that to to people that need to need retail jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's going to change. Um, it'll be interesting. And I think it's going to change the political fault lines.
1: Uh, I was reading today. I saw that Jamie Dimon was uh, trending on Twitter. So I, I checked. Oh boy, he had to say <laughs> no. And he's he, you know, it's interesting because I think that this will. Out of all of this, and not to be Pollyannish, but I think out of all of this also, um, new thinking will emerge in a lot of different areas. Um, And as I said earlier, it will accelerate a lot of different things. So anyway, he was speaking today about how post-COVID-19, he believes that society and business really needs to look at some of the structural inequality issues um, that we're seeing and see how they can be addressed, right?
0: When and- this story is being told, it's going to be a story of inequality, I think, in large part. I mean, the the impacts of this are falling extremely unequally, and mm-hmm. um, it's pretty clear w- uh, what is driving that. Access to health care, uh, our overall inequality that is is insane, and but it's, it's clear...
1: Because COVID-19 has put a magnifying glass on it. Yeah.
0: You know what it's I mean? always it was, there.
1: Al- it was always there, but we we did not, like a lot of us, didn't really see it, right? And now um, you see that, you know, you and I have the, the, the huge privilege of walking from home, right? And being able to do that for going on two, yeah. three months. And uh, you see all these people who, you know, in the past have made your life, uh, you know, pleasant, um, and they are out of jobs and have been out of jobs for a significant portion of time. So, I, you know, I think it's it's magnified, it has magnified the inequality that already existed and that is structural. And, um, you know, and I think that hopefully that forces all of us to come up with solutions.
0: Sure. So final issue is on the advertiser front. Are you seeing advertisers adapt at some point to these messages, their, their messaging and to be able look Without demand and the economy be, being open, there there is is not much to, to harvest, and and advertising is, is follows economic activity. So, without the economic activity, I don't care how many studies people have about like, oh, they should keep uh, building their brand; they're gonna they're gonna not do it. Are you seeing advertisers adapt their messaging and in starting to get ready for this economy as it as it slowly grinds back to life?
1: Yeah, I mean, incidentally, yes. Um, I also think, uh, again, I'm repeating myself, but, um, you know, again, I think it's going to accelerate a lot of the marketing trends that we've been seeing, right. And I think advertisers are going to start spending across, they're trying to reach audiences. They're going to spend more across all different platforms to reach, um, you know, a very targeted audience that they're trying to get. Right. And I think that that's, um, you know, that's going to be you know, a big change. And then I also, I mean, going back to sports, uh, because that's obviously a huge part of, you know, an important part, um, for us. Um, I do think that these big communal events, right? That, that, um, in many cases are sports. Um, I think that people miss them and will want to watch them again. Right. And, um, I think it will be interesting to see what that looks like.
0: Yeah. Okay, Ramina, thank you so much. I can't wait till we can have a socially distanced coffee in Miami after I'm
1: Yes, there. exactly. Okay. Thank you so much. Brian. Thank you
0: again. Bye. And thank you all for joining us. We'll be back next week with a new episode.